those hymns or the last two songs, I heard a few people not accompanying. What were they saying? Harmony. A couple of people trying to harmonize, and it just sounded good. Like hymns were made uh, to have harmonizing or harmony or to sound good and have multiple voices. And so we're just very um, encouraged by those things. And I just love uh, some of those lyrics. A proclamation of who we are and what we believe. It's just so good. And what is also so good is that God is not overwhelmed by our requests. Some of you might have heard that Kevin had a brain bleed, uh, and we've been praying for him, and it's great to see you here. And others uh, may have heard that Olivia was sick. Where are they? Cancun or somewhere warm? So I, I feel bad because she's a little girl. If she was a full-grown adult, it's like, well, if you're going to be sick, be sick in Cancun. But no, uh, and Arlene was just hiking Chile. Is is that where she was? Chile, if you say it correctly. And it's just amazing how God is with us. He protects us. He helps us. He doesn't care background. He just loves us so much that he wants to wrap his arms around us and say that I am with you. I love you. I will comfort you. I have a plan for you. You don't have to worry about tomorrow because today has enough problems all its own, but you can trust that you can seek me and you will find me. You can know that I love you. And so now as we pray, we go with our requests, not as like a wish list. God, I wish I could win this or you could do this. It's more, God, I am putting my trust in you. Uh, within the Wesleyan denomination, the, quote, holiness tradition, we believe in this thing called entire sanctification, which sounds really ominous. And it's like, oh, entire. I don't know if I could ever get there. Well, what it kind of is like is seeing that yourself as a piece of property, a piece of land. Maybe you have a building, whatever you imagine in your mind. And you say, well, uh, Jesus came to take it over. So because Jesus died for me and I've given my life to him. Jesus can build whatever he wants on your life. He can deconstruct or pull away or rip apart that thing that you've built as you thought you were following God. So it could be God's own and you will find entire sanctification as Jesus walks into your house, walks into your life. And he says, I want that part of you. But he's a gentleman. He knocks and he asks and he says, like, I know you've grown up with this. I know you think it's right. I know you think that's uh, the best, but I just want to tell you, I'm the creator. Like, I have something better for you. This is going to bless your life. And will you just be open, not just to salvation so you can go to heaven, but every little bit of your life, Jesus is saying, I can make you more like me. And so this is why we gather as a church, because we know, wow, there's so much of me that I hold on to that I trust myself. And God just says, no, give it to him. So we pray that we would give those things to Jesus. So Jesus, we confess that we need you. We confess that we are frail, that we are human. We confess that we wear down, we get tired, we get hungry. But Jesus, we thank you for your word that we can seek your kingdom that we can live righteously and we can know your peace. We are so blessed and honored that you would come into our lives and say that you want to make things better, to give us more, that we would understand the identity that you created us for, to be like you, to be in love with you, to love your creation and to help others find you. So Jesus, with all of the requests that we have for those 
that we know that have fallen or injured, that those have medical tests or results that they're waiting on, for those that are without family members, for those that are just in need. We thank you, Jesus, that you are with them. May they open their spiritual eyes and ears to see and hear and feel and truly know you, to receive you, to allow you to be the Lord of their life, our life. So, Jesus, we thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, amen, and as we continue, uh, Jay asked me, my daughter who's home from college, she said, are we still in Acts? Yes, the book of Acts is a long book, and since I'm not a long preacher, we're still in the book of Acts. And so uh, we do thank you for your continued giving and tithes and offerings. You can give online and uh, also mail checks to the chapel campus. But um, yes, we're still in Acts. So Happy New Year, but we're back to the same book. And so I trust that you enjoy the book of Acts because I know for me, uh, I've read Acts, I've preached through Acts, but just seeing the whole flow of the beginning into where we are now and knowing what's coming, it's a reminder of, wow, this is actually a really good book. And so is the Bible to read in context, not just pick and choose topicals, things that you like. That's okay from time to time, but I know for me, and well, sorry, because I'm enjoying it, and I'm preaching it, and I'm learning, you guys are subject to listening to me, at least for now, or until you get tired of it. So anyway, we continue in Acts, and in Acts, I want us to remember, reflect, and evaluate what took place in 2022. Remember, reflect, and evaluate what took place, and how have you learned, what have you learned from this last year? What are you growing into this new year? You may have learned, like, man, my prayer life was really struggling, but I learned that as I fasted, I learned that as I pressed into God, I learned as I asked other people to pray with me, I learned as I prayed out loud with somebody that God started to do something. Now I want to grow into that. I want others to experience it. I want to be uh, the body of Christ that gathers together, that encourages each other. What did you learn, excuse me, learn from this last year? What are you growing into? Well, we read a few weeks ago, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. They chose Stephen and uh, six others. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too, which is an interesting thought. The Jewish priests, you would think the religious leaders, why would they need to be converted? Because sometimes we as professing believers, sometimes we as those that call ourselves a Christian or part of a religion, we do not have a relationship with God. We just know about God. We just think, well, I'm in America, our founding fathers, like they came for religious freedom. So hey, I'm I'm a Christian. And it's not that God does not want us to know the facts and the theology and the dogma, but Jesus wants to know his love, that it's a relationship, that he's patient with us, that it's growing, and that we are chosen. And you are chosen, as Stephen was, to be full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. God accepts us where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. Brenda Carey often shared this with us about herself, but about who we are welcoming in. God loves us just the way we are, but loves us too much to keep us there. So what is taking place? Well, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, 
performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Who is this Stephen? This is Stephen, a guy that was selected to help distribute food. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. But one day, some men from the... Is that like a religious place? Or is that like a secular place? Religious or secular? So, but one day some men from the synagogue started to debate with him. What's another word for debate? Well, they said argue in the New International Version, rose up and disputed in the English Standard Version, and the Passion Translation, which I've started to read more of just to change things up. If you feel like, oh, I know the Bible, it's boring. Well, it has a lot to do with your heart. Sometimes it has, we're so familiar with the translation that we need to switch it up a little. So just know that you find a translation that's consistent with the word of God, with the Greek and Hebrew, Aramaic, in which it was written, but it's okay. You don't have to read in the old English. Anyway, that's my little uh, side note. Confronted. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So as things were starting to go good, there was positive traction. <clears throat> more people were coming to Jesus. More people were involved with helping the sick, helping the poor, just being a part. There was a division that happened. There was something that took place. So the 12 apostles called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. So you select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip and five others. There was injustice that was happening. So Stephen, Philip, and five others were identified as well-respected and full of the Spirit and wisdom. Obedience, if you were here Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, we used this. E uh, obedience does not equal, does not equate ease. So the uh, apostles are being used of God. Things are going well, but then there's this conflict. There's this uh, people being upset. They're just like this injustice was taking place. Maybe you're thinking like, how does this apply to me? Maybe you local church for a while. Maybe you've seen God do something in your life and then you start to share it with people and it feels like you're being judged. Like, oh, you did that instead of being counted worthy of God's forgiveness through the blood of his son, Jesus. You were doing the right thing. Stephen was doing the right thing. He was chosen by his peers, have, having the evidence of being full of the spirit and wisdom. He was well-respected, full of faith in the Holy Spirit. But what happened? People were mad at him. He started by serving. He started by helping. He started by uh, being called or uh, identified by his peers. And then he started to do the right thing. Like, well, why are you doing it that way? Or I think that's wrong. Or, man, I think you really should get your life straightened out before you lead in that direction. 
none of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit from which Stephen spoke. So these people from the synagogue started to blame, started to point figures, started to uh, cause chaos. And then it says, well, none of them could stand against the... You can say it out loud because this is kind of a big part of my sermon. So none of them could stand against the... <clears throat> and the... Couldn't stand against the wisdom and the spirit where he spoke. Wisdom and spirit. Where did I hear this before? Acts. We've been through Acts like four months, four, four months, five months, whatever it's been since Jay left. Oh, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the... So you'll receive power when you get that degree, when you go to seminary, when you uh, have been a member for long enough, when you've taught Sunday school, when you've given 20% of your income to the church, not 10%, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Stephen had the Holy Spirit on him because the Holy Spirit came. And Stephen said, I just want to be like you, Jesus. Come into my life. And whatever I can do, if it's serving the widows, if it's giving people food, whatever it can be, I want to be like you and Jesus. You serve people. You help people. People were drawn to God by your lifestyle. So that's how it happened being full of the Holy Spirit. James, the brother of Jesus, interestingly, the brother of Jesus who said, Jesus is not the Messiah. You guys following him, you guys are ridiculous. This is foolish. This is stupid. This is the wrong thing to do. Jesus is a fake. This is my half brother. This is not the son of God. This is not the Christ. This is not the Messiah. But then Jesus died and then he rose again. So James, the brother of Jesus, changed his tune and he says this, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from the humility that comes from wisdom. Not the humility that says, hey, if I can look humble, I'm going to get something in the end. If I can be nice, if I can smile a lot, then I might just get, you know, a bigger tip at top notch. I might just get another pat on the back. I might get a good review at TripAdvisor. I have an alternate, uh, ulterior motive for why I'm doing this. It's humility that comes from wisdom, and the wisdom is knowing it isn't you, it's God in you and through you. Goes on to say this, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of... Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Demonic. So if you look at the original translation, it is demonic. It's not like, oh, it's bad or it's evil. It's demonic. When we try to do things in our own strength, when we try to bring, uh, lift ourselves up, we'll, uh, have the focus on us, we are acting earthly, unspiritual, and demonic because why were the demons thrown out of, or the angels thrown out of heaven, then they became demons? Because they wanted the spotlight. They wanted to be seen. They wanted the attention on them. It was not just on, G on God and the angels. It was on them. Stephen, Stephen was selected with six other people to serve in a food program. 
sometimes it's weird, but being a small fish in a small pond, like you're like, well, why are they setting up the chairs every week? Like, who do they think they are? It's like, uh, people that are able to set up chairs. Like, I don't think anybody that sets up chairs think they're any better than anybody else. They're just like here and we're just like trying to serve. But how Satan works, he tries to stir up. He tries to agitate. He tries to make people upset and they start to point fingers like, ah, oh, they're such hypocrites. They think they're better than me. It's like, no, it's all in your own self, that selfish ambition, that jealousy that's being stirred up instead of just saying, Jesus, I just want to be used of you, whether it's serving in a food program, whether it's giving my testimony, whether it's helping with a youth ministry, whether it's leading music, I just want to be used of you for wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition. There you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So the beginning of Acts chapter 6, there was confrontation because one group was being left out. There was injustice. How does Satan work? He wants to get in and divide. Why are marriages like under attack? Is that the expression? Because Satan knows if you have a strong relationship with God and your spouse has a strong relationship with God, the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. So if God, if Satan can try to keep one of you apart, so you're getting closer to God, but you feel like you're farther away and then you get bitter and you're selfish and, and God's saying, no, I want you to get closer to me and get closer to each other. But too often we're like, well, who does my spouse think? she is because she's doing all this she's not better than me not that beth ever acts that way but for illustration's sake selfish ambition these small arguments these little things that happen the color of the carpet within a local church we probably have all heard stories like that it's like what we're just like so frustrated well don't they know how much money i gave towards this I shared this a little while ago, too, but as I've been here nine years, nine years has passed. I couldn't believe it. Nine years. So I repeat my stories often. So if you're new, hey, I'm glad that it's not a repeat for you. Hopefully not yet. But there's a church and this church didn't have a steeple. And the people said, Pastor, we really want a steeple. And the pastor like, I don't know if we need a steeple because like it's just like a large thing that goes on a building and but people said, no, we want a steeple for the church building. So they had a steeple fund. So they started to raise money for this steeple to put on this building, this building, not the church, just this building, the steeple. So let me cut to the chase. There was an emergency that took place in the town and people said, well, the church should respond to it. The church said, we have no money. It except for our steeple fund. And they looked at the steeple fund and they looked at the emergency and the board got together and people said, I think we're supposed to give the steeple fund money to these people that need it. And that happened not once, not twice, but three times. And then it finally hit them that maybe people are more important than steeples. And instead of like saying, how can we raise money so we can be seen, so we can put a steeple on our building, how can we reach out and show God's love in a practical way? Because we don't not want to be jealous of other people. We don't want to have a selfish ambition. We don't want to be divided. We want to be known for our love for one another, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Why'd they choose Stephen? Why those seven? Maybe you were thinking, or maybe they were thinking, I can serve food too. And if you can, then get up and volunteer and start serving food but only after 
You've been filled with the Holy Spirit and God's wisdom. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. Continuing in James. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It doesn't happen very often here, but in other church parking lots, we can point at other churches, probably don't do that, but uh, at other church parking lots, there's like the right way to exit the church parking lot and the wrong way, because I'm not going the wrong, that way. So the right way is only the way that you're going, but yielding to others, what? Even when leaving the church parking lot? Yes. Especially as we have other people coming in and using the gymnasium, other people coming in and using this facility, that the school only charges us $40 a Sunday to use. If not us, who should be yielding to the others that are coming in to show God's love in a very practical way? Yield to others. Nope, I have dinner reservations. I have plans. I need to get out of here. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. That is wisdom. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Righteousness, right living, doing the right thing, living righteously. Why well, can't be righteous? Well, if you remain in God and he's in you, you certainly can be righteous. So on this first day of the new year, won't you become well-respected and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, loving him, serving others, and allowing God to increase your influence and impact as we remain, abide, and rest in him. This comes from John 15. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Other translations say rest or abide. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Jay, what word means dwelling? Tabernacle. Tabernacle, dwelling. Dwell dwell. I don't know why, but this year, try not to be in such a hurry to, oh, I got, I got to get out of here. I have something else to do. Engage in conversations. Allow the presence of God to meet with you as you are present with someone else. Don't just say, hey, good morning. How are you? And then as they begin to answer, you see somebody else. Hey, good morning. How are you? And as they begin to answer, you look at somebody else. Hey, good morning. How are you? Because you start to get a reputation of maybe they love God, but I don't know if they love me. So we remain in God. So his countenance is on us. So people see him through us. As we close, I just have a song for us to listen to, sing with, but this new year, do we want to be full? Well, let me say, do we want to want to be full of the Holy Spirit of faith and wisdom? My prayer is that I want to want to, and as that want to want to becomes want to, then I will be obedient to be full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom that others might know 
his salvation, that I don't just love God, but I love them as well. Through the darkness, your loving 